All right, friends, welcome to another episode of Mama to Mamas. I'm so excited for tonight's episode because you're just you're just in for a real treat. I have my dear friend Elizabeth Perkins on the pod and Elizabeth and I met in 2008 through my best friend Alexis, who you all probably remember from episode four. And Elizabeth and I became fast friends, especially after moving to San Diego in 2014. And we spent many hours on long walks and talks together up and down Coast Highway and Encinitas and what my husband call, lovingly calls Stroller Hill, which is <laughs> D Street, pushing that stroller with that dog. I mean, it was a sight. And Elizabeth is one of those people who you meet and feel instantly comfortable around and like you can talk to about anything, which is very fitting because in addition to being a mom of three, she is a marriage and family therapist. And she still lives in San Diego with her littles, Patrick, Jake, and Maggie, who are seven, five, and three. She'll be three next week. Okay, great. We can call it that. They're seven, five, and almost three. And her husband, Robbie. Friend, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here with you and to just have another heart-to-heart chat with you today. Yay. Tonight. Yeah, it's like we can just pretend we're on one of those walks. Yeah, I got to channel that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first thing I want to talk about is, you know, as I was thinking about you know, our topics. And I was transporting us back to those walks. Um, and you were a first time mom, you had Patrick, it was where our friendship really blossomed. And I was just thinking about like you and your energy and like what you embodied then and you just now comparing it to myself. <laughs> I just <laughs> me and all my anxiety think back to you and think how like, I just observed motherhood comes so naturally to you and you just seem so chill about the whole thing now looking back. And I kind of feel like I always thought that that was my expectation. I was going to be a little bit more like that, like a little bit more like go with the flow. (laughs) But on my maternity leave, I think I met up with one, maybe two people for a walk because I was concerned about I mean, the wake windows and breastfeeding. I couldn't breastfeed without the damn boppy pillow. (laughs) I was worried about the schedule and the naps. And looking back, I don't feel like you were worried about any of that. (laughs) So now that I'm a mom and and I'm thinking about those times where I wasn't a mom walking with you, I want to know was that really the case? Was that true? Like, were you not stressed or was that just my perception? Hmm. Yeah, I think maybe um, sometimes I did a good job hiding it. Perhaps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, certainly, you know, it's kind of, it's like a spectrum too. like now, you know, being a mother and having other mother friends and being around people in this life stage that we are in it's all a spectrum. And so, yeah, yeah, I, I think part of that comes from my family, my mom, my sisters, I'm the youngest of five. So I was around my nieces and nephews that started, they started having babies, my sisters when I was in college. So I had a lot of exposure to babies and and did a lot of babysitting. So I think that helped me have a sense, perhaps a little bit of confidence. There's also this element of my my family is very like, oh, let's just go, 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 get out and about, and we're not going to be scheduled, and it's all going to be mm-hmm. fine. So that's kind of like the family, I was going to say mantra, yeah. that's not quite right, but you know what I mean. Uh-huh. But so I found that, so I had that, like, I can remember my mom being out, um, in San Diego after I had Patrick, my parent, my, both my parents came out after his birth. And I think she was here for like two weeks. I remember when she left, just like sitting on the couch and doing like a big, oh, like, okay, now I can just sit on the couch all day if I want to. And, and watch <laughs> binge watch my shows and not have to get out of the house. Like, I mean, literally, you know, we're, Jane's in town, we're going to Target, we are going to the beach, we're going to Sea World, we're going shopping, we're... <laughs> With a two-week-old? 
Yeah, I mean, we were, I remember having a meltdown in the Target parking lot, like probably like a week postpartum, uh-huh. crying in the parking lot. I had um, nerve damage. That's right. I, yes, I wrote that down as something that I re- like remember from birth for you. Yeah. yeah. So from Because you were pushing so hard and gripping your legs, right? Yeah. Uh, clearly, I don't know how to push efficiently. <laughs> I don't know. Do, do any of us our first time? Like you basically have to go poo. That's first. Yeah. I so I think Robbie was holding my right leg, and then I was holding my left like this, and you know just focused on getting that baby out and didn't realize I think how much I was straining. Um, so it wasn't until like our second day in the hospital it was either a day or two after he was born we were still in the hospital that I started getting this excruciating pain in my left shoulder they told me it was gas they were like your shoulder yeah like from being sedentary like as if like two days of that <laughs> I, apparently they see it like you don't you know you haven't pooped yet and yeah um you got to get your body moving so they were like just what you know let's monitor this, but try to go to the bathroom, walk the halls. I'm like, okay, so, you know, go poop. No, still, still a little painful. Walking the hall, still painful. It was excruciating. I couldn't lay flat. So, you know, you're sleep deprived, deprived and exhausted with a newborn, clearly. And I couldn't lay down. I'd had to prop myself up with pillows at, at night for, I, I probably want to say like, it was nearly two months. And then the pain started to subside. I went, I did physical therapy. I lost like a ton of strength in my left arm. How did you carry Patrick? With my right. I couldn't, if it it was just certain positions, if it was like outside of my, I couldn't, you know, those arm bands. I remember that was one of my therapy exercises. You know, I can do full range of motion with this one, but this one would only go to here. I don't know how I got on that tangent. But you were like, your mom left after two weeks. Oh, mm-hmm. You'd had the traumatic birth. Thank you for reminding me of that. Mm-hmm. I knew there was something with the pushing and the holding, which any mm-hmm. first time I'm out there, pushing is different than what you you would imagine. <laughs> like you said, it's like you're gripping the stirrups or clearly in Elizabeth's case, the bottom of your legs or they pull down these handles for you. God, I don't know if I've ever even talked about this on the podcast yet. I, they pulled in my bed, they like pulled these handles so that I could grip the handles oh. and like pull my body up with the handles. Maybe that would have prevented for you yeah. like this way and it would have been more like upright. I don't know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Huh. Okay. So <laughs> back to <the> pushing. <laughs> Your mom left and you were like, I can finally relax and watch my shows, which is tied back to what you're saying is your, there maybe your confidence and your like approach as a mom you inherited from how your, it was like your family approach. Yeah, like, like culture. Yeah. Yes. Like no big deal. You can take your baby anywhere. I can, I mean, I couldn't even obviously leave the house. I couldn't imagine being in, going to Target. <laughs> I don't think I went to Target until three months later, at least. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it was my mom. Patrick was my mom's 10th. I was going to say 10th. Yeah. Grandchild. So she's like, you got to, like, work hard to hurt these things, you know? They're resilient little fuckers. <laughs> and I think that's the, that is what I didn't have. Like, I didn't trust that, like, my little baby as a first time mom. And not that I don't, I'm definitely you obviously being the youngest of five and having older sisters who've done this and you've had plenty of nieces and nephews. I actually wanted to ask you like, if that affected you, clearly it does. Clearly Mm -hmm. it did. But like, I was, I don't know if he's going to (laughs) survive. And I laugh now because you did survive. But I think what you're saying is going into it too, with knowing how resilient they are, I think if I could have really believed that in those like moments of he loses weight at the beginning or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. he's screaming his head off. They're resilient. They're going to be okay. Like, I think that's like such a important principle to remember as yeah. a first time mom. Yeah. Yeah. And I think my experience of anxiety was less worry about his well-being and safety uh-huh. and health. 
I mean, granted, I was like, he was a healthy baby. There were no underlying conditions that, you know, he ate well, although yeah. I had a hard time breastfeeding at the beginning, but he was getting weight, you know, meeting all the milestones. So I didn't have to, I wasn't going through any of that. Yeah. But I, so my, I feel like my experience of anxiety was more like, which I really realized becoming a mother made me realize how I get so overstimulated by mm. the crying, the noise. Um, mm-hmm. It makes it really hard for me to like regulate at times. And so I get mm-hmm. irritable. I'm short and patient. Yeah. So that, I feel like that is more of how my anxiety shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, connected to like the overstimulation piece is it more than just what else besides crying like activities or like the non-stopness of it how like you really Mm -hmm. as a mom like you really I mean maybe there's hours between like seven and ten after they go to bed (laughs) but Mm -hmm. what else what was it about the stimulation well I I think the adjustment of yeah of going to one kid Uh um I remember being frustrated with, I would get out of the car and I mm-hmm. had to like make multiple trips. Yeah. Like I had to take one trip to bring the baby in the house and the car seat. And I had to go back out and get the bags and the stuff. And, the, mm-hmm. and just like everything took so much longer. And I yeah. already have a hard time with like time management and getting to places on time and all that stuff. And that, which isn't necessarily connected to overstimulation, but all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, now with three kids, it's the the chatter, the noise, the sometimes it's the the physical space and the touch and it's noise. Yeah. Questions. Oh yeah, well, lots of questions. I can imagine <laughs> with the age that your little kids are at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always kind of feeling like you have to be on and responsive. Yes. I can't remember what conversation it was on Mama to Mamas that we talked about the transition from like zero to one being the hardest Mm -hmm. after doing zero to one, one to two and two to three. Mm -hmm. What is your perspective on that? Well, I can tell you two to three for us, for me was the easiest. It probably helped. Maggie was an incredible sleeper. Uh So having that in place was a total game changer as far as mm-hmm. how I showed up as a mother. I think, I don't know, zero to one is just such a lifestyle transition. And yes. I, you know, Robbie and I were kind of the first ones of our friends, at least locally, yeah. who had a baby. And so, you know, I can remember that being tricky and hard. I remember like, like <laughs> Courtney and Courtney, Mm-hmm. Uh, and you and I don't know if I don't know if you were there but like that Alexis and all the whole group Brittany met for dinner like three days after I had Patrick or four days and and they didn't invite me when really they're probably like let's give Elizabeth a minute yeah <laughs> But definitely like that FOMO. Yes, I remember. Yes. I, I I also feel like I I can remember another time. Just I can't just drop it. At, you know, drop everything and go. So yeah, those adjustment. Yeah, that all that being hard. Oh, but then the transition and lifestyle. I feel like was a big adjustment. But then one to two. There, my boys are like um, they're twenty five months apart. And that felt really hard a lot of the times. So like, that's like the overstimulation. That's the, I'm yes. trying to be scheduled, but also like yeah. treating my two-year-old as if he's five and not like he's a baby anymore and mm-hmm. losing patience. And I have some vivid memories of losing it. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Back to the expectation versus reality conversation around just going into feeling like you're at least for myself feeling like I was going to go in being a certain 
energy or a certain style and then becoming a mom and that wasn't how it was what would you say to other moms who maybe like think it's gonna go one way but it doesn't go according to their plan you end up like kind of you know like Mm -hmm. thinking I'm gonna be I'm gonna go into this like super laid back laissez-faire I got Mm -hmm. this confidence and then getting to that moment and feeling like the opposite of that yeah I mean, I think expectations are just, can really lead to great disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say to watch what expectations you put on yourself and be yeah. mindful of that. Yeah. And I, I mean, of course, it's just like, you don't know until you're there. Yeah. And there's just so much going on hormon- hormonally, just a shift in just uh, your life in a lot of ways just kind of flips upside down yeah I think the expectation you're so right because you can always have expect it's not just how you are like your style but like you can everything with this journey you can have like expectations about how things are going to go and then you're like constantly let down because it doesn't go according to plan yeah okay I want to talk about your profession and how how it might impact you as a mom and maybe has impacted your postpartum journey. You know, I feel like you you like learn the skills of the job, but then there's there's also I don't know, like I feel like a style if as a therapist, if that's your profession of just like being in the world. Like I feel like therapists are amazing listeners. Mm-hmm. You know, they're um, they have an awareness about them. They have like the clinical experience, but then there's like kind of more of like even like the energetic piece. So I'm just curious for you, like, do you think being a therapist affected how you dealt postpartum? Yeah, you know, it's a kind of interesting because I I feel like there's in some ways I have a access to a toolbox and this knowledge and this training, this, that should make me better equipped to handle life. Right. Um, but then there's this other side that's kind of a do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's tremendously harder to apply it to, to yeah. myself. Um, yeah. I can see it so clearly and, and other people and empathize and offer compassion and, but it's a, it's a little bit trickier in applying to myself. Um, yeah. I certainly, you know, I, I think in reverse being a mother has impacted me as a therapist. Interesting. Um, okay. Our, our practice specializes in maternal mental health. So I find, I with we see a wide range of yeah. clients, I find myself sitting with clients and mm-hmm. so much of their story, part, you know, sometimes like parts of it, I can really, it really resonates with me. Yeah. And I, it's young women and same life stage as me. And I almost have this, I almost want to go on friend mode and tell yeah. my stories back. And, yes. <laughs> and I almost uh-huh. have to check myself. I see so much of women, um, young mothers, feeling like their experience of pain and suffering is unique yeah. to them. And it's not. It's just, unfortunately, it's so common. And so that part of me that like wants to like share my experiences of my personal experiences or other friends of mine is like them wanting them to know that they are not alone in it. Yeah, so I, I feel like in reverse, it's I've perhaps noticed a bigger. Mm-hmm. Like being a mom affects you as a therapist and the way that you maybe relate to your clients and like mm-hmm. show up as a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. And I feel like that, like hearing your perspective about being, you know, on the other side of the table, like listening to someone like I mean that's in part why like I want to even have these conversations because there is something about like that new mom journey where you do feel so alone even though it's so it's so universal 
it's so much more common to have different levels on the spectrum of anxiety. But like when you're alone with your baby, especially in like those first six months and you're experiencing those feelings, it, it is kind of hard to feel like you're in the same boat as everyone because it's not, it doesn't always feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and those, conversations aren't the conversations that you strike up at the park yeah or at exactly after, you yeah. know yeah yeah um, I remember probably three months in I was like and you know my mom saying my sister they're like you really need to do something about this anxiety and I never explored did I explore going to therapy I feel like maybe I googled postpartum anxiety therapist <laughs> and I called my OB and they're like you know the option is like go on Zoloft and like that never really felt right for me I, I, I fully support of doing that as a as like a mechanism to feel better I just like it didn't quite feel in alignment but I imagine like if I felt that way there's probably like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women who also are in that same boat <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely yeah it can be really isolating it can be isolating without postpartum mood disorders, yeah. right? It can be out, yeah. I, without the anxiety, without the depression. It's just can be hard. Yeah. To connect. Okay. So we touched on this a little bit, but we touched on one to two, two to three, or zero to one, one to two, two to three. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that gets easier each time you have a baby? Does birth get easier? Does breastfeeding get easier? Does life balance get easier? <laughs> what gets easier? Okay, well, you know what surprisingly did not get easier? I don't know if that's a nice <laughs> I'm jumping ahead. Okay. We can also talk about what gets harder. That breastfeeding was going to get easier. So, okay, good. Let's go. Yes, let's talk about my, that. My issue with breastfeeding is that anatomically, I apparently have a small nipple. Oh, and, interesting. Okay. And perhaps my babies aren't, I forget what term they use. They, it's like insufficient or it's not that. It's like a worse term. <laughs> so it's a combination of my anatomy and my babies not being like good latchers or something. Yeah. But yeah. With Patrick, it was, I had to use the breast shield and the hospital. Oh, the nipple shield? Yes. Yes. Shield. I had cracked nipples. Like, they would scab over every time. Oh, yeah. I remember, like, every time I would be latching, I would brace myself and, like, hold my breath and, like, kind of, like, do a countdown. Because, like, once he got on and then it softened, it felt okay. But it was that initial breaking of the scab again and... Oh, yeah. So I, you know, the toughening up of the nipples and all that. It was probably, it was over a month of painful feeding. Okay. So then I'm like, was it a second baby? Surely it's, I know what I'm doing. Like I, I before yeah. over a year, like, and nope, starting from square one. <laughs> Now, each baby, I mean, every baby has to learn. And then I just yeah. don't have anatomy for that and make it easy for them. So it was painful and hard every single time. Did um, you ever worry or were you like, were you like, I'll just, I'll get this. Like, did you ever have any like fear of worrying about it? Or were you just, it was painful? It was painful. I, I thought about going to see a, um, what is it? Lactation. Lactation. But it was more like, okay, that's just one more appointment. I don't want to have to like go to this thing. And it was kind of laziness. So See, I know what I mean about your laid backness. I probably saw three lactation consultants. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I would have benefited from it. <laughs> I suffered for no reason. <laughs> Although I don't really know what they would have done. Um, <laughs> So I just kind of like pushed through it. Um, I think that I don't know how, how long if it had persisted. I don't know how long I would have been able mm-hmm. to withstand it. Yeah. But eventually, I think like slowly, I just kind of felt like minor progress. So I went. They they were my babies. Like I think I have creamy milk or something. Like my ba- they're gaining weight. It was just so I wasn't ever concerned for them. It was just really painful for me. 
So you probably had like high fat milk or something. Like when, yeah. if you'd pumped, you'd have a really thick fat layer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is a real talk, like TMI question, but I feel like, you know, eight months into breastfeeding, I'm like, my boobs are never going to be the same. <laughs> and so, because uh, you brought up your anatomy. <laughs> like, I mean, if you think back to like pre-kids, like I'm just starting to now observe my boobs <laughs> pre-baby and now, like, mm-hmm. and I can imagine doing that three times. The journey from where you started to where you end up, like, <laughs> there's got to be some changes. <laughs> No, what are they? Like, is it just, I even asked Pat, I was like, what do you think the difference is <laughs> to try to get in a third party perspective? <laughs> I'm analyzing myself. You know? You're wanting feedback. You're wanting yes. him to describe the yes. before and after for you. Yeah. That seems like it's going to go over well. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, my boobs you you saw like when my milk comes in when I'm pregnant they're enormous when my milk comes in it's like Ripley's believe it or not it is I mean it's twice the size of my baby's heads (laughs) obnoxious so you know that gets stretched a lot of skin getting stretched out there and then normal size and they're saggy (laughs) <laughs> the sagginess yeah I'm starting to notice that and like almost like the areola is different and I feel like the nipple's different there's yeah. it's all just I mean with that much like nursing there's yeah. bound it's bound to change <laughs> I I think it's a defect of mine but I don't feel like I had I I've heard that the mm-hmm. nipple changing like even mm-hmm. like color I, you know, yes. friend, right. Like, like I, I've heard that from friends and, and size, but I didn't experience, I don't feel like I experienced that with my nipple. That was probably the problem. My nipple wasn't growing with the in-proportion. <laughs> so mine mainly what I notice at least is the sagginess. Okay, so you, that's what gets, you saying, like, that's what doesn't get easier, easier as breastfeeding. And is it, do you feel like, even when it got to Maggie, was it, did you get the hang of it quicker? Or is it same pain still mm-hmm. with all three? But like, I guess I want to know, what a, one of the things I wanted to know was, how does breastfeeding change or nursing change with every baby? You have to relearn it. You kind of mentioned this, you kind of, their baby, your baby doesn't know how to breastfeed when they come out. Like, so every baby learns it in their own time. Yeah. Well, I think with, I think this applies to a lot of like having multiple kids is Mm -hmm. there's perspective that everything is a stage and it's all temporary. And Mm -hmm. I think when you have, like, I can remember being in that target parking lot with my mom one week postpartum, having a meltdown. And what I I was like, am I, because I had the pain, excruciating shoulder pain. And then, like, you know, my vagina hurt and I I tore all that. And I was like, am I always going to feel this way? (laughs) (laughs) Uh Just not knowing that your body does heal. Yeah. You have to be patient, but it Mm -hmm. does heal. And so in a similar way with every, just like with every, the babies go through so many stages. Mm-hmm. It's more really challenging. And so I think with breastfeeding, it's like I knew that it was going to be painful and then, and then it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know? And then I, I, I think other differences, like I, for sure with Patrick, I like loved, I would get the boppy. I would get my jug of water. Yes. I would, I got it all, my whole set. I got my remote and or my book, whatever it was. Um, maybe with some snacks. And you have to be on the go more. You can't cater to your second and third schedules as you did your first. So right. I think like just the quicker being comfortable in public breastfeeding and mm. breastfeeding in the car and just mm-hmm. like doing it when I needed to do it, however it came mm-hmm. that probably got easier and I probably stressed out about that less as well mm-hmm. there was like some more it was a bit more confidence there yeah yeah did you ever stress out about the length of time of nursing 
Yeah. Yeah. Because were you like, was that long enough or was that too long? Like, did you, was there anything with time? Yes. Because I I was just like, I feel like with Patrick, I would let him nurse for so long because it was like a peaceful break. (laughs) I was watching my clothes, you know? Yeah. So like when I was at home or, or, you know, you're, you know, everyone has a different philosophy, but I was trying to do, follow the thing where you fed him and then they play, they're awake and then you put him to bed. Play sleep, yeah. Yes. And then there was just some days where it was just hard. And so I would just nurse him to sleep yeah. and like not beating myself up about that. I mean, I definitely like was like, oh, I'm doing it all wrong. I'm going to mess this up. He's been nursing on this one side for 30 minutes basically am I just now it's just a pacifier and Mm -hmm. yeah so I I definitely and I I think with I felt that way with Patrick all those like doubts am I doing this right I can remember calling my sisters and being like okay we figured out this this phase like whether it be like sleep or eating like what do I do next and what do I do next and so what about with like two and three where you're like who cares if I nurse this kid to sleep no big deal they're gonna (laughs) be fine yeah I mean, and I, and I, yeah, I did. Yeah. Well, with Maggie, I didn't really have to, but yeah, it gave me, I, I think with the, um, the sleep too, sleep is, was so stressful Uh feeling like getting them to sleep. Yes. Oh yes. I had babies The boys would cry and cry and cry if I put Uh them awake. And so at some point I just was like, okay, I, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to nurse him to sleep. Yeah. Just accepting that. Totally. That is such a source of stress as Mm -hmm. uh, like when you have that, a little baby, like a, a you know, first time mom, it doesn't matter if you're first time or third time. Like it is such watching your baby, like learn how to sleep, I guess. Mm -hmm. I won't, I only have one. So clearly like, it sounds like Maggie, maybe that, wasn't a learning curve for her. She just got it. <laughs> but yeah, there is, and there's this stigma that you can't, nursing to sleep is bad because then they get the bad habit. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling like so guilty every time I did it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's just mm-hmm. so much around like, around that. Yeah. Yeah. At some point I'm like, I'm just kind of surviving and I gotta, yeah. I gotta do. Totally. Yeah. Okay, so if you could look at your all your three, I wanted to know like what if you look at all your three kids, what do you, what do you know to be true about baby sleep? Are some babies just good sleepers and some aren't? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of think so. I think I think two things. I think all things can be true. Uh huh. My in my experience and in my observation of others close to uh-huh. me. Maggie, we did have the snoo for Maggie. Oh yeah, we did. From Kyle and Jana, and so I don't know if it was the magic of snoo or Maggie, but literally, like I have, you know, I I would write like keep notes um, when they're babies of what they were doing, like kind of journaling stuff. And five days old, she was sleeping like six hours. And I was letting her. That's another thing. <laughs> I was letting her. <laughs> like at night? Yes. Yeah. Whereas I would imagine, you know, most, I don't know, most, I think a lot of mothers are waking their baby up, but I'm like, nope. Oh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's gaining weight. She, you know, yeah, yeah it's fine. I'm not going to mess this up. Um, so she was, I mean, a week, two weeks old, she was sleeping eight hours. Wow. It was like, a miracle. So I, I, I feel like she just could, was capable of doing that. Yes. I do think there are things that you can do to help babies learn to sleep. Yeah. When they reach a certain age and that can be helpful for that. And so I think there, it's kind of like a combination, Eric, you know, and did you sleep train all of them? I guess Maggie, you didn't have to. Maggie didn't have to. She did go through like the four month sleep regression. So we did yes. kind of have to do some. So we did. Mm. We did sleep training. We did the kind of cry it out, but like not entire, you know, where you go and did you don't the check. 
Rob, I made Robbie do it. So he would go in, you know, at two minutes and then at yeah. five minutes and at 10 minutes. And, uh, and that worked for us. And yeah. I, I don't know. So yeah, we did do that. What about the boys? Yeah, we did that for all of them. Same, all of them. Yeah. So they were not natural sleepers like Maggie. Mm-hmm. And that worked for them. The sleep training. Yeah. I'm sure there's some kids it doesn't work for. Yeah. Um, I kind of thought it was going to be like a magic. <laughs> give me five nights of this. Done. Yeah. No, it's going to go on for a couple of weeks, I feel like. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, then, and then there's bad nights and and then it's like you never know what it is it's like oh do they have a poopy diaper or oh do they have uh-huh. a cold do they have an ear infection oh maybe they uh maybe uh-huh. maybe, yep. <laughs> maybe they're hungry <laughs> <laughs> so too many options <laughs> totally oh my god totally it took mavics quite a while to to get it and i and i don't know if you did but do you remember like the short naps when they were little, or were they always no. good nappers? No, the unpredictability. <laughs> yes, and sometimes it would just be like fifteen minutes. Yes. <laughs> what can you get done in fifteen minutes? Absolutely nothing. No. <laughs> Maybe and brush your teeth. This the not knowing. It's like, oh well, I could have dove into this work project or this home project yeah. if I know they're going to be sleeping for three hours. But you just. <laughs> It could be 30 minutes. So unpredictable. Like a total mental game. <laughs> totally. It is. A, it, it really is. I think that was probably one of my biggest struggles is he was a short napper until, and still some days he has short naps, but like he, it did not start to regulate until basically I was going back to work. I started transitioning back to work at like five and a half and like maybe around six. Mm-hmm. somewhere between like six and seven is when it really felt like okay I can put you down I know generally like how long yeah. you're gonna sleep <sighs> so it got a little bit easier but it's like a good feeling when you get there oh my god yeah, like, yes. a bit more predictability yeah and in before there like speaking of like stages and phases and, like everything is temporary like you really do like you can go to a really dark place and feel like you're never like this is never gonna end yeah you're never going to sleep again. Yeah. I remember doing it with the boys, like, when will they ever go to sleep? Okay, so if I'm not nursing them to sleep, I got to a certain yeah. I think when I stopped nursing, or I yeah. just over a year, then that transition, sleep transition, was really hard, putting them down. And I'm like, when are they ever going to not scream their head off uh-huh. for 15 minutes? Yes. When I put them down for a nap before they actually fall asleep. Like, I would have to yeah. go take a shower or, like, yeah. Do something in the backyard. Yeah. I couldn't. Yeah. It was torture. Okay. You touched on this uh, for a second, but you did you nurse for a year for all of them? Yeah, I did. Um, I basically like started to wean when they got to be a year. A year. So then I like stopped doing like the bottle at a year and then I would just nurse before sleep. Yep. So yeah, at the year I started, so it, you know, it was roughly like probably 14 or 15 months. Cause then I would, I would just like take a feeding away every like month or something like that. So it was a gradual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I feel like that's a whole other, like weaning is, I don't know if you know, if we've, I've like talked about it much on here yet, but like it, it weaning feels like a whole other kind of a journey, mm-hmm. you know, like there's getting breastfeeding going. And then you kind of figure it out like a couple months in, you get in a groove and then you enter like the distracted nursing phase and then you get through that and then you enter solids and, you know, and then they get a year and like, I just, I feel like it's a lot of different chapters. So for you, was it, did weaning feel natural? Did it feel like emotional where you just like, I'm ready to be done? Like, what was it like? I don't know why I like, I, I set that in my mind that I was going to do for a year. Uh-huh. Uh, so I had that like marker of time that I guess was my goal. If you mm-hmm. Some babies, you know, like show signs that they're done with it or refuse or refusing. I feel like mine would have kept going, but they weren't like, they didn't have a hard time transitioning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of emotional mm-hmm. or, or it was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, it's like this moment, not always, not when you're at SeaWorld doing it in the bleachers watching Tormu. <laughs> um, but <laughs> when you're at home and you're putting them down for bed. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like this time, one-on-one time with them where you're cuddling and you can really just be present with them. Mm-hmm. And so I think I, I, I definitely was sad to lose that. Mm-hmm. But also just ready for, I think, more independence and yes, maybe even to like to get my body back, like have it yeah. be mine and only mine again. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, there's something there for sure. Your body's not your own in this stage of life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's out on loan. <laughs> it is oh, such a good way to put it. It is out on loan. <laughs> And the things I find myself doing when it's out on loan, like, like I, I definitely I mean, I've talked about a hundred times on here, but yeah, the feeding part is just, I can't tell if Maddox is, I've convinced myself that maybe he's weaning. He seems less interested. I back at work. So it's bottles half the time at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but then those moments that I do get to nurse, it's it's like, almost like moments of desperation. Like if I'll only do it for a minute, I'm like, crap. Okay. Let me, let me change, let me change rooms. Okay. All right. Okay. Will you, will you do it in here? Okay. All right. How about this position? All right. Let's get on the floor. Okay. Okay. Let's get on that chair. (laughs) It's so silly. Like what you do when your body's on loan and you're like, you know, nourishing this tiny. (laughs) Well, I mean, that reminds me of like being in the hospital all modesty just goes out the window, you know, and like the nurses would be like, you know, trying to get the baby to laugh. They're just pulling on your nipple, making it a sandwich or whatever, and and shoving it in the baby's mouth. I'm like, I don't care. Do what you want with my breast. (laughs) Manhandle me. I don't care. Um, Right. Yeah. That is, it. I, I kind of had like walked that out, but it is a bit traumatic going into it. I had no idea. And it was, I don't know, it was probably not, but I it was COVID obviously for when Maddox was born and everyone was wearing gloves. And I just remember those gloves, yeah. just rubber gloves, squishing my boob and just being so taken aback. Like, oh my God, this is how it really is. This is, this is what breastfeeding is. Like I thought I was going to be much more romantic and I was just going to bring my baby to my breast and it, you know, I was going to get the positioning and like how to hold him. And I mean, I still, to this day, like I'm stuck at the positions, the way that the best way we do it is the side lie because I can just lay him down and just anyways. Yeah. It is a rude awakening. Like Mm -hmm. what they do to your body. In that hospital. And, and, you know, it's kind of surprising what, I'm sure not all women, but what I, certainly I was okay with. <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 Okay. A few more questions and we're going to end on our final three. I feel compelled to ask now, how do you, how do you with three, with, you know, your career, with, all the things you have to balance with the schedules. This feels like a stupid question, but I mean it genuinely because I feel like, you know, I hope I hope to have two someday. How do you find time for you and like your sense of self in it all? Yeah. Well, one of the things that comes to mind is I feel like Robbie's been a really supportive partner mm-hmm. in allowing me that time to myself when I needed it or when I need it consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, like one of the things that comes to mind as well as like exercise. So for me, yes. exercise is really important for my mental health and just my energy and you know, feeling my best. So he has always been supportive of you go on a run, you go mm-hmm. to the class. So certainly I, I feel like self-care oftentimes most consistently perhaps comes in the form of like exercise. Yeah. Time with friends, with other yeah. others as well has been really important, which also is helpful having Robbie yeah. um, being okay with that and feeling 
me feeling confident and him feeling confident that he could take care of the baby and the babies and the babies. Just, I kind of feel like some Maggie will be three next week. I feel like somewhere in the last year, I feel like I have kind of, not fully, I mean, I'm changed. Who I am today is different than who I was eight years ago. Yes. Pre-Patrick. But I feel like in the last year, I have kind of am rediscovering my sense of self again and feeling more like myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think things are becoming, I, I just with the kids' independence and less yeah. reliance on me for the caretaking, feeling more comfortable, you know, as they get older, mm-hmm. you've, there's less anxiety or guilt about getting a babysitter and, and going out. And um, yeah, we prioritize date night once a week. We, I exercise, I try to prioritize time with friends and yeah. I have a husband who is supportive of yeah. Other such good things and really simple things, I guess. I mean, just the supportive partner piece, I think, is is hands down like a necessity to be able to like empower you or empower the partner, right? To like mm-hmm. have to do things that bring them joy and not feel like it's so one dimensional because that will make you a better mom in the long run. Yeah. Um, and I completely relate with the exercise thing. The days that I don't even, it's so hard even with work too lately, like sometimes I get five minutes on the treadmill or I've been doing a 15 minute Peloton. Like it's yeah. literally like anything for definitely not as long as it used to be, but I, I can't, yeah, I definitely relate to you with fitting in those ways to get endorphins for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And even just, I mean, I think about like one of the things that I'm kind of grieving almost now at this stage of my motherhood is the walks. I just miss, like I'm done, we're done having babies, but I'm like, yeah, like I miss just having the newborn and the stroller who's not going to like, you know, I might have to put the pacifier back in or, I mean, certainly, you know, I would have to like, okay, we got to get him out. We got to put him. Yes. I had a memory of that. Like we had to carry Patrick back one time because he was, I guess maybe he was crying and we were like, all right, you don't want to be in the stroller. We're just going to carry you and push the empty stroller. (laughs) So it wasn't always easy. I'm, 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 um, you know, romanticizing. But I miss, I'm, I, and I think what I miss about it is the connection. Well, sometimes I would listen to a podcast. So like yeah. that time to myself, even though I'm with a baby and taking care of them, but that time to herself with music or a podcast mm-hmm. or that time talking and spending time with a friend. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Like I, you're right. Cause then all of a sudden your kids just become so mobile and they don't want to be in the stroller anymore. They want to mm-hmm. run around or get on their scooter or ride their bike or it's a lot less relaxing and you can't have headphones in to listen to your podcast Uh (laughs) did you I don't think I asked you this at the beginning but this is where I wanted to start so we'll come full circle (laughs) and we can go to our three questions did you stress about the naps or a schedule when we were on those walks with Patrick were you like mm-hmm. are you is this his second nap or third nap or how many minutes is he sleeping like how long is his wake window going to be or did you just I try to follow like roughly the 90 minute sleep cycle so mm. the same idea of like this wake window like they're supposed to be awake and then and then they're gonna yeah. be ready for the next sleep cycle right yeah for 90 minutes so so I certainly stressed about it but I think there was like enough I gave myself enough flexibility within it too so you know I craved schedule and routine because everything is so unpredictable at the beginning but I would just let that go if I was out and I knew the baby was going to sleep in the stroller and I was getting filled up and I just Mm -hmm. didn't worry about it as much 
for those things or like in the car ride to go run and to go to target like i kind of saw that as a break for me and if i would i probably would try to if it was just me and i wasn't accommodating someone else's schedule like yeah try to do that because i knew who to fall asleep in the car during that sleep that right part of the sleep cycle you know yeah Mm -hmm. like i was like you know i had like the trackers and would write it down and oh you would okay because i write everything all right tracking in an app so i was thinking to myself did elizabeth do that yeah i did that at the beginning i and i and i did it certainly with jake too but probably a little bit less so yeah Okay. And then I'm also having a flashback of how you were saying, like having that FOMO and right postpartum and still wanting to do things. And I feel like that's what I always admired about you is that you just brought your babies wherever. Mm-hmm. Didn't you like bring Patrick to a bar or something? Like, yeah, <laughs> why do I remember that <laughs> story? My, my friend Katie lived in Manhattan and his yes, 30th birthday was in December, beginning of December. He was born mid-September. So he was not three months. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, I took him to New York and and he stayed in a hotel with us. Like I had a friend who had a friend. She babysat like one of the nights, but yeah, no way. I took him out to the bars and the restaurants for most for most of it. And we like my friends, you know, I was the first one that had a baby. My friends, there's like pictures. I can remember them like, taking everyone lifting the stroller, going down into the subway, uh, <laughs> the subway stairs. Yeah, it was an adventure. Elizabeth, I know you said like that it is, there is more behind that. There are, there were stressors, but like I truly want to emulate that more. And like I'm praying that with my next baby, I can goals to bring my next baby to a bar I'm not kidding I'm just gonna put it out there it because that I sound silly but like to me that what that really means is just being way more (laughs) low-key yeah well and there's certainly there were stresses like I he he was not going on he was a fussy baby so the flight like I can remember like a man telling me like oh you know like it helps their ears if you put a pacifier and I'm like oh no shit (laughs) (laughs) you won't take a pacifier (laughs) yeah um so there I would be sweating you know on the airplane of course but I think I just took an approach of like it added stress in some ways but I even just like getting out to dinner locally like I kind of feel like a lot of babies do better or my babies with the noise and the movement like they would like do better when yeah. they're, they're itty bitty, you know, than that like witching hour at home. Yeah, over uh, the witching hour. So yeah, I guess I, I don't know how intentional it was, but mm-hmm. I wanted to keep doing the things that I wanted to do. And so mm-hmm. I was okay with some added stress to be able to, to continue to do those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm taking this one and I am I am going to apply it to my next baby. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> You're my inspiration. <laughs> okay, we're ending on we're ending on how you manifested Maggie. So what I want you to do is I want you to tell the many listeners out there who may want to have a girl. They maybe they have boys and maybe they're like trying for their third or fourth and they just, they really want to manifest a girl. And so I want you to tell everyone your, (laughs) what you did. (laughs) Well, so I have um, a good college friend who two boys and a girl, and she's just ahead of me in having children. So, and I knew she really wanted a girl. So I consulted her and she's like nerd, going to do all the research that, you know, you can come up with. So I'm like, just tell me what you know. So she told me to take magnesium and calcium supplements. Okay. And there was also something about like pH level of like, I was, I don't, I can't even remember. You would know all that stuff like alkaline and base space. Sure. Uh, It's something like that, but yeah. Yeah, More dairy, yogurt and Mm -hmm. that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was like trying to do that. I was 
calcium and magnesium that's easy to just do because it's whatever um and then timing of when you have sex yes yes so that, that's what I was doing and then and the key is early right the key is not close to when you ovulate it's like four days before you ovulate no it's late oh it's opposite male sperm are faster but so they get there first but then they die off I don't that's not obviously I'm not a doctor uh-huh. yeah <laughs> yep and the female swimmers are slower and so they stick around longer so you want to have sex after ovulation got it okay so um, as close as close to or like on the day you ovulate as possible versus yeah or maybe a day after like in the window where you're yep you know, eggs are dropping, but like later side of it. Got it. Okay. But then I went to, anyway, we went to a wedding on the East coast and then I was talking to a friend's sister who's same thing. She was like trying for the girl. She basically told me like the opposite. She was like, you want to have alkaline or acidic or whatever, like the opposite diet is. And she was like, you need the pH strip. She's so I got the pH strips. I have, I have them if you want them. Uh, <laughs> So I was like, I don't know. So it took, I, you know, I had a, like a miscarriage and, you know, it took, a, it wasn't a huge amount of time, but it took a few months. And mm-hmm. then I was kind of tired of like waiting. I'm like, I just want to get pregnant uh-huh. and have a baby. And then, so the, the month that we didn't do timing, I was just like, let's just do this. That's when I got pregnant. Got so, it. I don't know. So, you kind of think know, maybe like, it's a, a crapshoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you can pimp your scales with, you know, eating more yogurt or yeah. calcium. Taking that supplement. Yeah, that seems easy yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> I swear there is, and I'll look it up. Not that I have show notes on this show, but... I will look it up and put it in the post that has your podcast episode. I swear there, I might've saved it in my Instagram. There is like a book that has the blank method or Mm -hmm. or something. I saved it. So I'm going to, I'm going to link what that is because I, that could be the resource. Let this, if you really want a girl, let this conversation inspire you and we'll share the book. (laughs) Um, Okay. I wouldn't trust my. (laughs) my approach (laughs) okay we'll end on our three questions that I ask every guest and I just so appreciate all the wisdom that you've shared thus far and just illuminating different parts of your story that I feel like I knew but didn't really know now that I now have a baby like I, I can relate and get it much more so thank you so much for so much for sharing and just being so vulnerable and transparent with all of us. I feel like, you know, the intention of this podcast is that someone somewhere will learn one new thing about mom life that they didn't know before, um, especially a first time mom. So I know it'll be incredibly valuable. Okay. So what is one thing that took you by surprise or you feel like no one ever talked about that you learned was being part of a mom? Hmm. Well, here's the the deal. It's like my exposure to pregnancy and babies with my sisters and their experiences. So I can remember after my baby shower, like one of my friends got me like a goodie bag, her present to me with all of her favorite things. So Mm -hmm. in there was nipple balm. Is that what you call it? What do you call Uh it? Yeah, nipple bump, butter. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I remember like opening it when my sisters were around and they're like, oh, you won't need that. Like, it's, it's no big deal. Like breastfeeding, it's, you have no problem. Like none of us needed that. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I can remember like searching through the bath. <laughs> I needed lather those scabs. <laughs> um yeah, so I almost, it's kind of that expectation almost that you hear about other people's experiences and you think that that's going to be yours and everyone's experience is so different. 
in, in so many little micro ways. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good answer. That's so true. <laughs> I used that nipple butter too. Like it was my job. <laughs> oh, so good. Okay. All right. Take yourself back. We've, we've been talking about this period for the entire podcast. So let's continue to stay in those early days of having Patrick when you're the first time mom. If you could give yourself one piece of advice to that version of you, what would it be? I think to let go. I think that when I think about even today, Mm -hmm. I can think back to like some of my worst moments as a mother. Mm -hmm. I think back to um, trying to get Patrick to nap when he was two years old and we had moved him out of the crib to make room mm-hmm. for his brother and asserting my control over something that was just so out of my control. Those are my most painful memories and mm-hmm. I've experiences as a mother. Mm-hmm. And so it's broad and it's kind of vague not necessarily super applicable, uh, you know, like practically. Oh, yeah. But to release this, like, sense of control. Yes. That is such a good one, just to let go. And to let go of those things that you don't control over. That Your answer reminds me of when Maddox was probably taking four naps a day, and I would hold him for that last nap because the last nap was always so hard, and he would not go to sleep after 30 to 45 minutes of rocking and feeding and swaying and shushing. And I scream like I had to put him down, go in the other room and scream my head off bloody murder and start sobbing. And Patrick like also crying because I was so upset. You're right. Like motherhood can push you to these really dark, deep, dark places. Sometimes when you want to have control over the things that you can't have control over. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so freeing. I can remember when I was just like, okay, we're going to stop doing naps. Like, yeah. Yeah. In the car every once in a while and I'll be okay. Yeah. Oh, God. Naps are such a damn source of stress. All right. So, any new moms out there, stop worrying about naps. Your children are going to be fine. (laughs) Okay. If you could sum up motherhood in one word or phrase, what would it be? Okay, so this is like my kind of my therapy hat on. I was listening to a podcast of Esther Perel. She's like a famous couples therapist. And she was talking about like, she was talking about ambivalence. Mm -hmm. And how like in relationship to couples basically it's like this push and pull between wanting connection and closeness and wanting independence and freedom and autonomy and wanting, you know, this and wanting that and wanting, you know, and um, this kind of idea of getting comfortable with sitting in ambivalence, um, mm. wanting two opposing things at the same time, duality, perhaps. Yes. And I just feel like there's, so maybe that's the word. I don't know if there's a better word, but like duality, like there's this, it's this kind of the, this push and pull of like loving this baby and these children so much that you would do anything for them, but also like really stretching and clawing to still continue to find yourself as a woman, as a, as a partner, this push and pull. It's not really mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's so good. I, that's a word, a phrase, a description. <laughs> it all it all works, and that's so very true. Finding your place in, in both in both roles, and not feeling guilty if you want both things. Mm-hmm. Not feeling guilty when you're in one mode to like want to be in another mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can. 
they can coexist. Right. Yeah. So good. Such a good way to end. So grateful that you wanted to do this with me. It's just like we're right back on those walks. I just know. my my cup is full. My soul is <laughs> nourished. <laughs> no, any excuse to chat with you. Okay. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of Mama to Mamas. I hope you enjoyed this one, and we'll see you again very soon. Bye, guys. <laughs>